0: Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken.
1: Aloha, good morning, welcome to Island Conversations. You may hear Island Conversations on Sundays on KWXX and B97B93, or the following Fridays on KPUA 670 AM in Hilo. In 1793, Captain George Vancouver dropped off four head of sheep on this island, plus some cows, five Longhorns from the Quandro Ranch in California. Five more Longhorns arrived at Kealakakua Bay in 1794. Dr. Billy Bergen, in his excellent series of three books about the Parker Ranch entitled Loyal to the Land, says that King Kamehameha I put a kapu that lasted for about 20 years that prohibited killing the animals. In 1803, the first two horses arrived at Kauai High. And then in 1832, King Kamehameha III asked for help from California, and three Mexican Spanish vaqueros, or cowboys, came and they taught the Hawaiians roping, herding, breaking, and the other skills and that was really the start of the ranching industry and of the Paniolo here on Hawaii Island. And while it's mostly men we see in the photographs and books as ranchers in Paniolo, women, Wahine, have been and continue to be just as involved in ranching as men. Today we have two Waimea women to talk with us about the role of wahine in ranching, something that Waimea's Paniolo Preservation Society has been celebrating for the past several years and well again when they present Old Hawaii on horseback. We're joined by Joan Greenwell Anderson, who goes by the name Fluffy sometimes, who's from a family that's been ranching in Hawaii since 1850, so she's basically a fourth-generation rancher, and she grew up most of her early life on Parker Ranch. Her dad, Raleigh Greenwell, was general manager of Parker Ranch for many years. Fluffy and her family own Polani Ranch, and they run about 1,200 cattle. And she has done horse shows and rodeos, and she's very involved with Paniolo Preservation Society and is its president. Joan Greenwell Anderson, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. And we're also joined by Pat Bergen, who really married into the ranching lifestyle as her husband, Dr. Billy Bergen, was a veterinarian for Parker Ranch. And he's the one who wrote the excellent and extensive history of Parker Ranch, Loyal to the Land. Pat spent nearly two decades co-leading Hawaii Keiki and High School Rodeo, which is really a great institution because not only is it athletic but in order to participate in rodeo kids have to maintain good grades and that really speaks to pat's background as an educator she served on the state board of education and is still very involved with education in waimea Pat Bergen is one of the founders of the Paniolo Preservation Society and has helped with the recognition that wahine are playing as great a role in ranching as do kane. So good morning. Aloha, Pat.
2: Aloha. Thank you for having us.
1: Thank you for being here. Now, Paniolo Preservation Society is having an event on Saturday, September 14th at Waikiki Ranch. It's called Old Hawaii on Horseback, and it's going to feature pa'u riders. And we often see wahine in that way. They're astride their horses. They're wearing these beautiful silk skirts. They're adorned as their horses are with lei. What's the origin of the Pau riders? Tell us about that and what you're doing on September 14th.
2: The pau actually got started when the early generations were trying to protect their finery when they were on their way to a party. They came up with the idea of covering it with a skirt and then tying it at the ankles so that they could sit astride the horse as they transported themselves to whatever activities they were going to be going to.
3: Old Hawaii on horseback. What's that? Old Hawaiian on horseback started back in the mid-60s, I guess with Anna Lindsay Perry Fisk. She did it every other year. There were about 60 to 80 riders, I guess, and it kind of started in costume from Cleveland bringing the first cow, calf, and bull to Hawaii, and it goes up to the present time. And so that's what we're bringing back September 14th. So it should be a really neat show and pageant that should not be missed.
1: Well, Anna Perry Fisk was called the first lady of ranching here on the Big Island, and for anybody who's been on the road that goes between Kauai High and Waimea, Anna Ranch, that is where she lived, and that's where she held
3: her old Hawaii on horseback pageants, I believe. Yes, Mm -hmm. right in her front yard. We'd go circling around one time at a slow walk and the second time at a faster canter. Pat and I both rode in it. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I think that many people on the island
1: only see the Pau riders, of course, in parades and and other kind of pageant things. And they think that that is the role of women in ranching, to look really beautiful, to be on the horses, to be all fancy. But I know that women have always been involved in ranching here on the island. And ranching is a very tough gig. It means fixing fences and branding horses and cows and putting on horseshoes and all those things that are really, really tough work. And I know that sometimes women are recognized for their actual role. For example, the Paniolo Hall of Fame includes Barbara Kamili Pua Nobriga and her mom, Kapua Hewer, who are women ranchers from the Big Island. In 2018, the Paniolo Preservation Society honored seven prominent wahine ranchers. So Joan, what do wahine do? What do women do in ranching here on the Big Island?
3: We do everything. (laughs) A lot of the women that were represented last year were the homebodies cooking for the men and doing the homework for the men. But growing up, oh yeah, I've been out chasing cattle in the pasture and branding and doing all kinds of things. You know, there's a role for somebody getting in the pen and working or there's the role for the woman of the house taking care of the kids and and their husband and cooking for the men at the brandings. And so we do
2: a lot. You've mentioned Barbara Nobrigo. There are four women who are in the Paniola Hall of Fame. Two of them are still living and both of them are being featured in our September 14th event. Lani Cran Petrie is owner and manager of Kapapala Ranch out in Kau. Barbara manages her own ranch. Lani will be our Pau Queen this year and we are honoring Barbara Nobriga for her contributions to the role of the Pau writer as well as her tradition of ranching and she's the kind of person and so is Lonnie, of course they're out there doing all the work the men do anyhow you know I might also mention Anna was a owner and operator of her own ranch and then of course we have Malama Solomon in our community who does the same thing so we have some very active women that are also ranchers as well
1: and I don't think women get the recognition for that kind of work they mm-hmm. do, because it's the same work as anybody mm-hmm. else does, because mm-hmm. being a rancher is not exactly an easy gig, and the mm-hmm. work has to go on every single day, mm-hmm. sunrise to sunset, or even
3: beyond that. That's why we wanted to recognize those the women. seven women last year.
2: Because they're right there alongside their it's... husbands doing the work.
3: Well, I'm really glad that you're recognizing
1: women again this year. I think Barbara Nobrega is just amazing. You know, she is such a force and her Mahayalani ranch is, mm-hmm. it's a pretty special place. Yes. Do you have any idea how many ranches there are on the big island?
2: It's diminished considerably. Really? Why? Yeah. I think because they are lacking support. I can remember when we took our children completely around the island on horseback and we stopped at the mountain cabins of every ranch along the way because everybody had a mountain cabin in today's environment, all of those ranches are shut down. They're no longer in existence. And I feel so fortunate to have had that opportunity to do that in the earlier ranching days. But getting back to your question, why is this happening? I think we need to have some direct support for ranching industry from the Department of Agriculture. I think they need to go ahead and give reasonable leases to people so that they can ranch. I think we also need to look at building slaughtering facilities for ranches on the islands, and then also looking at preserving the shipping and the air industry, making sure that those opportunities to market cattle is available.
1: That has come up, actually, even in candidate forums, that the Jones Act
2: Mm -hmm. has
1: made the cost of shipping cattle to the mainland, which is just a necessity, it's made the cost of doing that really pretty high. Some folks have resorted to flying their cattle. Mm -hmm. The airline industry has different rules, but that's expensive. It's pricey. It
3: yes and no. By plane, you get the animal to feed in 24 hours, and they don't lose much nope. weight. On a ship, it takes sometimes two to three weeks, and yes, they do lose a lot of weight. So that's your give and take right there. So basically, it's, when you look at the cost, it's about the same.
1: So why are the cattle sent to the mainland? I know that I had this discussion
3: with Keith Unger of McCandless Ranch several years ago, but tell us. We don't have a packing house here. To bring grain in from the mainland, you've got to pay the freight. And so it's a lot easier to ship the animal to the mainland than the grain to the animal.
1: So that's where you fatten them up before you <laughs> yes. send them to market.
3: There is some meat here that is you know produced in Hawaii and it's grass fed, but most of the meat goes to the mainland and it could come back through Costco or Safeway
2: yeah One of the biggest things, I think, to support the ranching industry was the Department of Education using local beef in their menus. So that was huge. Really? Oh, yes.
1: Well, that's good. I know that there is a big push for grass-fed beef, Mm -hmm. and in order for that to be successful, you have to finish the cow here because they have to eat local grass, or once you send it Mm -hmm. to the mainland, it becomes a different kind of product. When I've talked with folks about that folks who market their beef through KTA, for example, Mm -hmm. that's a big issue is making sure that there's a way that they can have the cattle finished here, eating grass, and then be slaughtered Mm -hmm. here. And it's not
2: always easy to work all those details out. The slaughtering facilities, I think, is kind of the bottleneck. There's just not enough. We absolutely have to have greater opportunities for slaughtering facilities here.
1: You know, I know that council member Tim Richards got Mm -hmm. the slaughter facility reopened that handles smaller animals that had to be closed for some very strange reason is the way I kind of interpret what I was told about that. But I know that Tim worked on that. But I can see that if we don't have major slaughtering facilities, there's enough ranches here, even though it's diminished between all the different ranches we do have that it would seem impossible to have the Mm -hmm. capacity. And a brief interruption to remind you, this is Island Conversations. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Today we're talking with Pat Bergen and Joan Greenwell-Anderson about Paniolo Preservation Society, ranching on the Big Island, their upcoming event, An Old Hawaii on Horseback, coming up Saturday, September 14th. We've been talking about ranches on the island, and I called council member Tim Richards, whose family roots go back to King Kamehameha's time mostly in ranching. He himself is a veterinarian. Council Member Richards told me that ranches contribute around 55 to $60 million per year to this island. 80% of the state's 600 ranches are here on the big island. I want to mention all this before we hear from KTA Superstores, which happens to sell locally produced grass-fed beef purchased from Hawaii Island Ranches.
0: At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local, so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA.
1: Next week, we'll talk with Miley Melrose, the family historian for the extensive Greenwell family, and learn about the history of the Greenwells, starting with Henry Nicholas Greenwell, who came here in 1850. Now, let's get back to the conversation with Pat Bergen and Joan Anderson. Pat, I want to diverge just a little bit. You wrote a paper about the Hawaiian tree saddle, and <laughs> where did you find that out from? Let's see. Well, googling Pat Bergen will do it. But also, I'd like to compliment your husband, Dr. Billy Bergen, because he does mention you in his books. But I've also read Barbara Nobrega. I read a story that was written for a local magazine, and she mentioned that that's her favorite saddle, the Hawaiian tree saddle. Mm-hmm. Joan and I, before we started talking for this interview, talked about using English saddles oftentimes for. Uh, riders just because they're a little more compact. And I think all of us have seen the standard Western saddles. What is a Hawaiian tree saddle? Why are they used here? What's different about them, Pat Bergen?
2: I think Joan Greenwell can answer, not Joan Greenwell, (laughs) Anderson, sorry, (laughs) can probably answer that better since she is the horsewoman.
3: Well, the Hawaiian tree came from the Vaquero saddle. And so it's basically the raw tree, it's not like the western saddle that is covered with leather and all that. Now they do have a, I think it's a lala that Mm -hmm. they put over the Hawaiian tree saddle and it makes it comfortable so it doesn't pinch. And Kauai, Maui, and this island have different braiding coming down, the avi-avi, yes. Mm Can ave,
2: ave means braiding? It's uh, the braiding that takes the top of the saddle down to the actual it's, saddle. So it's like the cording from it. It kind of holds it all together. And they're rawhide braiding. Yes, And uh-huh.
3: so you can look at a saddle and you can see whether it's from Kauai or from this island because of the number of the braids. I couldn't tell you why that is.
1: You know, it's an art form, really.
2: And you should know that the saddle horn in a Hawaiian tree saddle is smaller, even though they're patterned after the Mexican saddle, and that's so that they can rope something and it's easier to go ahead and hold that steer or whatever it is, so that's a significant difference. The Hawaiian tree saddle actually has very little leather in it in the saddle itself. Anybody that rides a Hawaiian tree saddle, they love them, they're comfortable, and that's what the working cowboys really use, or at least in the old days, they did. And when I speak of old days, I'm talking about my younger days.
3: like the skeleton of yeah, a regular of a, saddle that's exactly it have a good, all the frou-frou leather on top of it yeah that's a good description much. i like that
1: well i know that in the old days and i'd say even well before your early days mm-hmm. pat that a lot of the challenge was that the cattle were up in the forest so the cowboys the paniolo had to ride in the middle of trees and then they had to find the cattle and then they had to get the cattle with trees in the way and that's why in rodeos,
3: we have a specific, unique event. The event, Po-I-U event Po-I-U yes. Event. And that came from catching the wild cattle on the mountain and, and bringing them down and tying them in that Y-shaped branch mm-hmm. and tying them up and leaving them there yeah. overnight so that when you came back the next morning, they were pretty played out in Fula. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have a story to share with you about that that my husband told me about. I think it was Danny Canijo Sr.'s mother or somebody, she accompanied her husband to go wild cattle hunting. He would rope the wild steer, get him into the amana. Is that what it is? Yeah, And then um, she would get off her horse and then she'd tie the thing to the... So see how a woman is very instrumental to helping their husbands. So that's the connection.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I read an article in the New York Times from January 2019 and it talked about how especially in the western part of the United States, of the mainland, that women are oftentimes assuming a more prominent role as men either find ranching to be, as the article put it, too gritty a lifestyle or the work is too gritty, and they're sort of taking over a lot of the ranches. And there was a statistic in there that all over the United States, there are 2.1 million farms and ranches. That includes Hawaii. That includes everywhere. And that 14% of them now have the primary proprietor as a woman. And they were suggesting that that number is going to increase. And the story said that women are managing ranches differently than do men relative to technology, ecology, and the land. And it sounded almost even though they have to do the same work and they had photos of women fixing the fences and branding the cows, that they sort of took a kinder and gentler approach. Comment on that. Is that true here? Are more women getting involved? Are men leaving a little bit? Do women manage ranches differently?
3: In Hawaii, I don't think the women have really taken over that much. They do help and in certain Circumstances, yes, they do run ranches, but pretty much in Hawaii, the men are the front runners, your managers, your, you know, cowboys. There are a few women out there.
2: Well, the other thing is I don't think the women in Hawaii that manage ranches are doing it any differently than the men are. I think they are they have one way of doing it, and, you know, um, they're following the same patterns as the, the men that run ranches as well.
3: One thing is, maybe if women could take over ranching in Hawaii, maybe we'll bring the horse back. That's right. (laughs) The the cowboys now, these young kids, they tend to jump on a four-wheeler. You know, it goes faster, but you don't have that experience of training a young horse and riding a horse. And it's a neat experience, jumping Mm -hmm. on a horse.
1: Pat, you spoke of riding around the island and staying at all the mountain cabins, and I've read stories about that, Mm -hmm. of families that would gather together and go on these trips and just go right across the top of the Mm -hmm. island. The story was lamenting what you're lamenting, Mm -hmm. that that's not as easy these days between land management practices and land ownership, and it is sort of sad to see that way of life change, but you mentioned that ranching work is hard, and it is changing, you mentioned the Department of Agriculture. You mentioned getting more land available for leasing. What really needs to be done to keep folks in ranching? Because in a way, it's a romantic historical part of our island, but it's also looking at locally grown food, not just the cows, but also vegetables and fruits. So tell us more about that. What's going to keep ranching vibrant?
2: I think it's organizations like the Cattlemen's Association These folks, they keep abreast of the latest in ranching practices. So they're, you know, using best practices no matter what. And I think organizations like PPS, Paniola Preservation Society, where we try to support and You know, our role is to go ahead and preserve the culture of the Hawaiian cowboy and the facilities and structures. And then we try to promote it through things like coming up in February, we have an activity planned with the ranchers that will allow them to do some cooking for us. And, you know, it's a fundraiser, but it's to also promote that to the public that, you know, here are your ranchers, they're hard workers, they're cooking for you, come and enjoy. You know, so anything we can do as people to go ahead and promote something like that I think is very important.
1: So, Paniolo Preservation Society, what is it? What was the impetus to create it? What does it do? Tell us more about that, Pat Bergen. That
2: was a dream of my husband, Billy's. He loves the cowboy lifestyle, he worked on ranches since he was about 10 or 12 years of age and has worked for nearly every single ranch on this island. So he loved that culture and lifestyle, and he wanted to preserve it. So he founded the Paniolo Preservation Society, basically to preserve the ranching culture and traditions of the Hawaiian cowboy as well as the facilities. He's very concerned about preserving some of those mountain cabins that might be available still. That's why we took our children, because we thought they would never have this opportunity again. It took us seven years to go around the island.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. So, how did you do this in seven years?
2: Every summer, and Joan was part of it. We would take a whole bunch of people with us. We would go and ride for so many miles, and then when we'd stop, the next year we'd pick up again. So, we did it during the summer months when the kids could come along. So, there were lots of ranching families that joined us. It was really fun.
3: One of the neatest memories and pictures I remember is it was our second summer, I guess, and we were going across the saddle. And Pat's horse, Speedy, got lame. So Dr. Bergen had his veterinary pickup truck there, and we somehow made some ramps, and old Speedy, so tame, he climbed right up in the back of Of this open pickup truck, and there he was with his head over the cab. It was the funniest thing. Took him home (laughs) that way.
2: How did he get lame? I think he probably just picked up a rock or something as we were riding. And And maybe
1: he was just tired of walking around the island and thought, well, I'll get um, a ride home. I know how to do this.
2: (laughs) Knowing him, he probably did. (laughs) The trail that we were
3: on had rocks. I mean, there were parts where we had to get off and lead our horses. It was so bad. Kona horses are used to all the stones up on the mountain, but not why male
2: horses are not? Oh so that's very interesting. Do they have different kind of shoes or their hoof is hardened in Kona because of the rough terrain, whereas when these horses are living on grass and stuff, it's a little bit softer.
1: How interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, I would imagine people like myself who are not horse people, I wouldn't even think of that, that a horse has Mm -hmm. adapted itself to its literal environment, Mm -hmm. not just this island, but the Waimea part of this island versus the Kona part of this island.
3: Oh, yes. Your rodeo horse, you're not going to take up here on Lai and chase cows with it. It stays home in the barn.
1: (laughs) Very interesting. Paniolo Preservation Society is putting on this event called Old Hawaii on horseback. Give us the details. What's going to happen? Where is
2: it going to be? It's on September 14th at Waikiki Ranch Polo Field. It's the first time we're doing it there. The homeowners have just been so welcoming to us, and we're really excited to be a part of that community for that day. The event begins with a concert by John Cruz from 10 to 11. From 11 o'clock to about 1 or one thirty is the actual pageant. And I need to make sure people clearly understand that this is not an ordinary parade. Yes, we will have some pa'u riders, but the gist of the whole thing is these are actual... People playing the roles of our monarchs. There's going to be all kinds of kings and queens and stuff dressed up. There will be a narrative going throughout the whole thing, giving the history. It's a wonderful, wonderful history lesson for kids. We picked writers that are very seasoned writers. I think people will thoroughly enjoy it because it's so different. And again, we haven't done it since 2008. This will be the fourth time that we're doing it. Anna did it nine times. We're hoping that the younger generation, and we're trying to get younger riders this time, will pick it up and have that interest in preserving it again.
3: And you'll be able to get tickets online through Eventbrite, or you can call the Paniola Preservation Society at Pukalani Stables, the museum store there. We will have tickets for sale. The number for the Ponyola Preservation is 808-854-1541. 854-1541. If somebody doesn't answer, you can leave a message and they will call you back.
1: Okay, so you can buy tickets that way. 854-1541. Oh, it says here on this little flyer, children 12 and under are free. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bring lawn chairs. Mm-hmm. No coolers. So you're going to be selling food there? Oh yes, it says multiple food vendors.
2: Ooh, what kind of food? Chili bowls, stew bowls, Mexican food. The shave ice van will be there. We will have fried ice cream.
3: Fried ice cream. Sorry, that's an oxymoron. And PBS will be selling commemorative shirts, long sleeve and short sleeve, and kids shirts, along with some of our other merchandise.
1: Pat, you mentioned Barbara Nobrega is going to be recognized at this upcoming event on September 14th. You have a long history with Barbara Nobrega.
2: Yes, I do. Actually, Barbara introduced me to pa'u riding when my husband and I moved back to Hawaii. We lived in Kona. And we lived on Hualalai Ranch, and Barbara was starting. Uh, she may have already started the tradition. She would invite all of the ranches to have a unit in the parade. And so every one of the ranches had a complete unit with the Pau Princess. And it was just really fun. I mean, we took turns being different islands. It was really a lot of fun. And all of the ranches participated or put up a unit. And so it was just something that I enjoyed very, very much. And then I enjoyed it so much it's continued to guide me throughout my life. So she's been quite an influence. And when we first moved home, Barbara adopted my husband and I. And so we spent a lot of time at her house. And I think a lot of people don't realize that Billy and Barbara and Pudding Lassiter. Her sister from Hilo have a connection because they were all raised together in Hilo.
1: Before we say aloha, Paniolo Preservation Society, you're physically located at Pukulani Stables. And Pukulani Stables was part of Parker Ranch?
2: Yes. Parker Ranch has been very gracious in allowing us to uh, lease that facility from them. And, you know, I really need to do a shout out to Parker Ranch because they have just been extraordinary as partners in any of the things that we do there. And we truly appreciate that.
1: Well, it is the biggest ranch on the island. It has a very vested interest in keeping ranching alive. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what their kuleana is. So at Pucolani Stables, tell us what you can see and when the Paniolo Preservation Society is open.
2: It's open Monday through Saturday. Wednesdays and Saturdays are our farmer's market days, but our office and our manager, Bill Ferreira, are there every day. Our museums are free of charge. We have a Paniolo Museum, and then we also have a Pa'u Museum, which the Pa'u Museum opened in January of 2019. We decided that it was time for the women to have their own museum. In fact, we convinced the board of directors to move out of their conference room so we could use that facility. So that's where the museum is.
1: And is your husband, Dr. Billy Bergen, still on the board? Yes. How hard was it to convince him to do what you wanted?
2: Uh, not, <laughs> you know, he's so wonderful. It's usually whatever I want.
3: <laughs> All right. And the open hours for Paniolo Preservation are what? About 9.30 to 4, Monday through Friday. And then Saturday is the Farmer's Market. And, and that Wednesday. goes from 7 to one o'clock but wednesday is also the farmers market but we are still open those days
1: okay very good before we say aloha what else would you like to add joan anderson
3: i just want to say that pukalani stables used to be the old parker ranch stud barn and behind there was the old old blacksmith shop and so we are trying to renovate that and get that going so hopefully within a year so it's pretty exciting stuff coming up
1: thank you so much joan fluffy anderson for being with us
3: thank you sherry and aloha
1: and pat bergen what would you like to say in closing
2: i would like to say come and join us on september 14th we would love to have you participate with us and i don't think you will be disappointed thank you so much sherry for this opportunity
1: well thank you both for being here i want to remind our listeners that i'm really grateful that you're with us all the time This is Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken, and I'll see you next week for another Island Conversations. Until then, please, let's all live and drive with aloha. And a huge thank you to Joan Fluffy Anderson and Pat Bergen.
0: Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Highland Conversations with Sherry Bracken. Brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.